You just feel it. He just shows up. And it's not tears of it's not tears of condemnation or guilt, it's just tears of joy. And he loves you in spite of you. <laughs> and he loves me in spite of me. He loves us in our in our worst time and our best time. And God's a consistent God. He doesn't love you any less or any more. He just loves you. Pure love can't do anything else but pure love. And that's who he is. Well, I'm thinking I want to preach just a little bit. Um, because God just, he has this burning within me to prepare us for Pentecost Sunday. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. There's Sometimes there's a, a, a post-resurrection day letdown. Kind of like the day after Christmas. You know, you get all the... The tree, uh, thinking about taking the tree down and putting all the presents and the trash and, you know, just kind of a yuck. And sometimes right after Resurrection Day, it's almost like we take all the stage, the, the, did y'all notice the stage looks a little bare? Yeah. It, we, took, we take all the, 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 the draperies down and all the things that we had up. And it's almost like, well, Resurrection Day's over, we'll celebrate again next year. And that's not who we are. I mean, we, we should celebrate Resurrection Day every day. But I think the same thing kind of happened to the disciples. Uh, Jesus rose from the dead. He had made his appearance to them. And um, they went fishing. Think about it. He said, I, I, I'm here. I'm back. I'm here for you. And I'm going to send you. And so the, one day Peter's out by the, by the lake. And he says, I think I'll go fishing. And all the rest of the guys said, well, we, we want to go fishing too. And Jesus met them after they'd gone fishing. He told them where to cast their nets, and they caught all that great catch of fish again. Then he restored Peter. That's what I shared with you last week. But there was a, a period of time between the resurrection uh, and Pentecost, and it's a, it's a time, of, time period of 50 days. So this series that God's put me, uh, has asked me to preach is, is called From Passover to Pentecost. See, Passover was when... The children of Israel had been in slavery for 400 years to the Egyptians. And they had been making bricks. That's all they did was make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. And all day long. And they were just slaves to Pharaoh. And if you don't know the story, God called his, uh, one of his men. He called Moses out to lead his people out of bondage, out of Egypt, and to, to take them to the promised land. And it's so cool how these parallels are from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because we are led to the promise on Pentecost. And so we have a 50-day period. That 50-day period from Passover, when the blood of the lamb, remember, the blood of the lamb was taken, and it was, he was, uh, it was they took a, a like hyssop, and they took the blood, and they, they painted the doorpost over the homes so the death angel would pass over. And so when the death angel passed over, that means they were saved. They were saved by the blood. So Passover back then and Passover for us now as Christians is the blood of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, was painted over the doorpost of our heart that we would be set free. Amen? And so that the same parallel. So then they went, they went through the Red Sea, which I, I consider kind of like water baptism. They went to the Red Sea, and then they went to the, to the mountain where God gave Moses. He told Moses to go up on the mountain, and Moses went up on the mountain, and he got the Ten Commandments. Say Ten Commandments. So he brought the law back down, and that was what they celebrate. Even today, Jews celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. It was when the law was given. It was 50 days after they got out of Egypt. So that same period of time from the resurrection to Pentecost Sunday, which is May 24th for us this year, is that same period of time that we think of, well, what do you do between the resurrection and Pentecost? What did the disciples do between the resurrection and Pentecost? Well, Jesus was on the earth after he was resurrected for 40 days. Say 40 days. 
He was there for 40 days and he had a specific, he didn't go on vacation. Okay, he appeared to the disciples and he appeared to a lot of people and he did certain things in that 40 day period. And after the end of 40 days, he went up on the mountain and he said, see you later, guys, because if I, if I don't leave, you can't, you can't receive what I've got for you. And he had them go wait in the upper room. Say upper room. Same upper room, more than likely, that they were, they were at when they celebrated the, la- the Last Supper. They went to the upper room, and, and Jesus told them to go and do what? Wait. Go and wait. Just go and wait. They didn't know what they were waiting for. All he said was, go wait for the promise. And when they got children of Israel wandering in the desert, in the wilderness, they never did get to the promise. They, that whole generation of people died out except for Joshua and Caleb. Do you want to get to the promise? Because that's what the Holy Spirit, that's another name for the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit, is the promise. And Jesus said, I'm going to leave. And he said, if, if I don't leave, I can't send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the promise to you. And so he said, it's to your benefit, it's to your advantage that I leave. And so when Jesus, when he, after 40 days of preaching the kingdom of God, he told them he was leaving. He said, go wait for the promise. And that that promise period that they didn't actually know how long that was going to be was actually 10 days that they went and waited in the upper room for the promise. And so I'm telling you this, that period between the resurrection and the Pentecost or the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh was the most exciting time. And it should be the most exciting time for us as believers. We should get through the resurrection and go, wow, I can't wait till what's next. I can't wait. I've got the resurrected Christ living in me. I really want to walk in this thing called the Holy Spirit. I want to be a witness. I want to do what Jesus said that we would do, that we would do greater works. And so I want to be prepared. So I want to help you if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to help you be prepared to get to that place. Okay? Now, we teach, or I teach, and as a non-denominational church, we teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a separate work from the indwelling Holy Spirit. Say, indwelling Holy Spirit. Remember in John 20 or John 21 when Jesus breathed on the disciples and what did he say? Receive you the Holy Spirit. And he went, and they received the Holy Spirit. But then he says, after a period of time, he said, go wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Now they already had had received the Spirit of God within them. Now they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's where we're going to go to. We're going to go to the book of Luke and we're going to the book of Acts. So Acts first and then Luke. Now I think when they wrote the Bible they, they, they made a mistake when they, they should have been Matthew, Mark, John and Luke. The Acts, Romans first and second Corinthians. Because Acts follows Luke. It's the same writer. Luke was a physician. Luke was a Gentile. Luke was not one of the disciples. He was not one of the original 12. People go, well, he must have been one of those guys. He wasn't. He was a physician that came along later in life as a companion to Paul. And he was a doctor. And he writes these these two letters, he writes these two books to this man named Theophilus, which means God lover. Say God lover. That's his name. Lucas or Luke means light bringing, bringing light. So if your name is Luke, that's a good name to have. Matter of fact, Theophilus isn't a bad name either. I just haven't heard it in baby books lately. (laughs) Yes, Martha. Hey, where's Courtney? It's a boy, Theophilus. This must be a prophetic thing today. Y'all in agreement, Theophilus? No? Okay, wow. Wow. Whew. I thought I had more authority than that. You can call him Theo. Or 
Phyllis. <laughs> Phil. Theophilus. Phil. That's a, there you go. Anyway, I digress. Luke was probably, now that we don't know for sure, we don't know a lot of things about Luke, but we knew we as a companion to Paul, and he wrote this book to Theophilus. And in Acts 1, I mean in Luke 1, he says, most excellent Theophilus. Here's what many theologians believe, that Luke possibly was uh, the personal physician of Theophilus. Theophilus may have been a Roman uh, upper-class guy. I mean, like a big, big wig in the Roman army or something because he called him most excellent Theophilus. Luke really related to Gentiles more than the others, than Matthew, Mark, or John, because Luke was a Gentile. And so when Luke began to write in, in the book of Luke, in the Acts of what took place in Jesus' ministry while he was here on earth, then after Jesus ascended to heaven, he continued the story. Now, here's the cool thing about the book of Acts. Uh, another good name for the book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's a really good name instead of just the book of Acts, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. That w- when I would begin to study the Word, I mean, I hear the Word as a child or a young person, I didn't understand how these things related and how they connected together. But when you start reading it in that term, in that way, you'll figure it out. Hey, Luke was just writing the continuation of the story. And if he was still alive... On earth today, and Luke was still writing the story, you and I would be in the story. We are the book of Acts, church. It, 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 God is continuing to do His work in the church through His people. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get excited about doing the work of, uh, of what God's called us to do and be uh, in the kingdom. The book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. You get that? That's who we are. We are called to do what Jesus did. Plain and simple. The former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The former account is the book of Luke. And he says through the Holy Spirit. Now let's just stop right there. Jesus was going to continue the work after his resurrection and he needed the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Jesus began his ministry when he was baptized by the apostle, by by John the Baptist, and he came out of the water. What did he need to start his ministry? He needed the power of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus, the Son of God, needs the power of the Holy Spirit, don't you think we do? See, so many people, they, they just think, I can just get by. I can just do what I need to do. I can follow the commandments. I can do. You can't do anything apart from Christ. Apart from the Holy Spirit, you're going to be powerless. And if you're going to try to live the Christian life in your flesh, you will fail over and over and over again. Not only will you fail, you will be frustrated in your failure. Because today we're going to be talking about witnessing. I'm not going to go through the whole sermon, but I want to know how many of you have ever witnessed to somebody and you felt like a miserable failure when you were witnessing to them? Come on, be honest. Jesus, man, I, I, man, the words won't come. You try, and, and you try, let me show you in the Bible, and then oh, oh, you know, you can't find them. You can't find the scripture you're looking for, and all of a sudden you're just really awkward. Listen, I took I took witnessing 101. Anybody ever take a witnessing class? And, and I'm not here to down them, but I am here to down them because. <laughs> There is no class that you can take 
that is really going to do what the Holy Spirit can do through you when you're empowered and baptized in the Holy Spirit because he says when you get the Holy Spirit, you shall become my witnesses. Not you might if you take a class. Seriously. He says if you really are baptized in the Holy Spirit. It took me, I was 17 when I got saved. It took me 30 years to get to the place where the baptism of the Holy Spirit came upon me. And all of a sudden, witnessing wasn't a fearful thing. How many of you are afraid to witness? Raise your hands. Come on, be honest. You're afraid to witness. Man, y'all are in for some, really, y'all are in some, something good. Something good's going to happen to you. Because I'm telling you, when you leave the place of the flesh witnessing and you allow God to witness through you, everything changes. Everything changes. So Jesus... He said, through the Holy Spirit, he had given commandments to his apostles to whom he presented himself alive. Listen, he not only presented himself alive to, to the disciples in, the upper, in, the, in that room, but he also says in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 6, he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time, of whom the greater part remained to the present. In other words, as Paul was writing Corinthians, many of the people that Jesus appeared to of that 500 were still alive. And they were testifying, they were witnessing the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And he's called us to be witnesses, church. Now, turn to Luke 24. Because Jesus is teaching things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For 40 days, listen, 40 days he taught about the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye what first? The kingdom of God. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. Jesus Christ wants us to seek first the kingdom. And for 40 days, he preached the kingdom. He wants us to teach the kingdom. He wants us to live the kingdom. He wants us to be the kingdom. We made this kingdom thing so, oh, it's so out there. It's so, I can't touch it. I can't feel it. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you have given your life to Christ, you live in the kingdom of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Listen, we just need to start living like we're, we're citizens of the kingdom. And we're, sometimes we get so patriotic, we forget our patriotism, our true patriotism, our true allegiance is to God Almighty. Some people put the American flag, they put, they put America, they put our government, they put him up, up the, all of that above Christ. Listen, if you've done that, you've made the government or a flag or your allegiance to this country an idol. Ooh, that went over so good. I pledge allegiance to the... Listen, our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Once we get that first and we understand who we are in the kingdom of God, then we'll start acting like kingdom people. And we'll start seeing kingdom results. Because God's kingdom, His economy, His miracles, His, the way He deals with things is so different than the way we deal with things in our flesh. Luke 24, when we talk about the kingdom, when he preached the kingdom, we can go back and look at the very end of Luke's writings and find out what the kingdom was that he was preaching. Then he, Jesus, said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He's, in other words, he said, I fulfilled all, all the prophecies. He's fulfilled every prophecy except for the one that he's coming back. All the prophecies have been fulfilled. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. 
How many of you have been reading scriptures, you've read the same verse over and over and over and over and over again, it never made any sense to you, and one day the, the Holy Spirit opened up your eyes, your, your understanding, the eyes of your heart, and all of a sudden that scripture went, Woof, it meant something. Or you read it again and then Woof, it meant something else. Because whatever your situation was, that word of God can move. It's alive. It's not just a dead. It's a live word that applies to wherever you are at in your situation in life. It will come alive to you. He wants us to comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. He's telling them the gospel message right here. He's preaching the kingdom. And that repentance, say repentance. Say it better. I said, I said, say it better, and y'all said repentance. No. <laughs> say it better. Yeah, that sounded better. Okay. He said that he was going to preach repentance and remission of sins, that they should be preached in his name, in the name of Jesus, to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Sounds kind of like Matthew 28, doesn't it, 19, when he talked about the Great Commission. It's the same thing. He's given us a commission, guys, and he said, this is what the kingdom is looking like. This is how you should preach the kingdom. It's about repentance. It's about the remission of sins, and it should be preached in Jesus' name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, witnesses of these things. Say, I'm a, witness. I'm a witness. Did you know you can only say, I'm a witness by the Spirit of God? Because you weren't there, were you? You weren't there when they nailed him to the cross. You weren't there when he, when he stopped and stood in front of all the disciples, were you? It's by the Spirit. Remember, remember Thomas? Thomas says, I will not believe until I see. I will not believe till I touch. I will not believe till I talk to him. And Jesus shows up and he says, here, see? See the, pan, the nail prints in my hands? See the, the nail prints in my feet? See the spear where it gashed into my side, Thomas? And Thomas dropped to his knees and said, my Lord, my God. And Jesus looked at Thomas and said, man, blessed are you, Thomas, because you see and you believe. But blessed, more blessed are those who believe that don't see. But so we are the ones that are blessed. He's talking about us in that scripture. We are blessed even though we didn't see because we see with these spiritual eyes. By faith is how you believe. By faith is how we see. Because none of you that I know of are over 2,000 years of age. I heard that. I feel it. <laughs> and then he said this, verse 49, I love it. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Say the promise. The promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. He's saying, guys, wait until the power comes. In other words, don't do it in your flesh. Don't do it on your own. Don't do it with your own methodology. Don't do it with your own whatever teaching that you had before. Wait and let the Holy Spirit do it through you. Because then, he said, you shall be witnesses. Jesus said this in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power. The word power, is, and many of you know this in the Greek, is dunamis, where we get our word dynamite. It also is a word for ability. You shall receive the ability. You shall receive power. You shall receive, uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, come upon you, and you will be witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He has called every one of us to be endued with power from on high. I went 30 years without that power. 
30 years, I, I had a, there was a power supply waiting for me to plug into, and I was using power tools without the, without the battery pack. How does that look? Anybody ever? How many of you guys on, uh, well, ladies too, how many of you have power tools that are, that are cordless? Cordless power tools. Okay, and they have a battery pack, right? What if the battery pack is not attached? Well, actually, you could probably work them, but wouldn't it be a pain? I just take a, a screw, just take a screwdriver. And wouldn't it be easier to just use a little screwdriver? But that's what we're like as Christians when we are, we are saved and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We're like that. We're, and, but God says, I want you to get the battery pack and plug it in. It's called the Holy Spirit. And it will empower you to do some things that you've been working at in your flesh that's not taking place, it's not happening. And this is going to make it so much easier for you. I'm telling you, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, for me, it was going from, uh, I don't know how to tell anybody about Jesus, to, uh, can I go to the jails and tell people about Jesus? You know, I was walking through the jails. I was, I was getting to share my testimony, pray for guys. People were getting saved. Some of them came to this church. Some of them have gone to other churches and moved out. The, but they, they came to know Jesus Christ because Jesus said, Harold, you need this power to go and be my witness. What does a witness do? Tell me somebody. Tell, tell me what a witness does. They testify of what? Of what they've seen, seen or heard. Yes. I'm doing all the little sign language for you. A witness, all you do, you don't manufacture up something, do you? You just tell what you've seen. If, the, if you witness an accident and they call you as, as a witness and then they put you on the stand because there's some discrepancies here. Was it light green or was it red? And they ask you and you say, well, when I was there, uh, officer, I looked at that. The light was green. And they were, they're going to ask you what you saw. So here's, what the, here's the deal with us as Christians. It's not something we manufacture. We're just telling what we see. We're just telling what we've experienced. Nobody can refute your testimony. Amen? So Jesus told us that we were going to be witnesses. Not that we might be, that we, if we did a, took enough classes, we would be. He said, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Are you a witness of the goodness and the glory of God? Because that's the question. That's the question I want to leave with you this morning. Are you trying to do it in your own strength? Can you imagine these disciples all gathered in the 120 or so in this upper room and they're waiting for something. They don't know what it is. They're just praying. I don't even know if they're praying. God, here we are. <laughs> what are you going to give us? We're waiting. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if they, they took breaks or they fasted. didn't say. He just said they were all in one accord waiting for God to do something. What if the power hadn't come? Think about that. What if after 10 days they decided to leave and go do their own thing again? Well, we're going to go spread the gospel. We're going to go do what Jesus told us to do. You think we'd be sitting here today? I don't think so. But you know what? We have a lot of Christians doing that very thing. They get saved, and they think, I'm going to go out and tell people about Jesus. There's no power. There's no proof. There's nothing in their life that tells anybody much about Jesus. 
and they stammer and they stutter. And the world sees them and goes, wow, if that's a Christian, I don't want to be that. Because what we have is a powerless church in many, in many areas of the world because they have not recognized the power of the Holy Spirit. God's called us to take the good news to the world. Not the bad news, the good news. He's called us to take the glad tidings. He's called us to take the greatest story ever told to the world. St. Francis of Assisi, I love what he said in his prayer. He said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Let me tell you this. If you're not living the gospel, don't preach it. If you're not living a life for Christ, don't tell somebody how great a life for Christ is. Because they'll look at you like you're an idiot. I'm just being serious. If you're not willing to, if you're not willing to live it out, if you're not walking in it, and you can't go, go tell somebody about the joy of Jesus if you're always down in the dumps and griping and grumbling, complaining about every little thing. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to go and tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, he says our feet are pretty. If we are, if we are taking the gospel to the world, he said, I mean, you're be- you have beautiful feet. But I'm going to tell you this as we close this morning. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit and be successful. Because when you do it in your flesh, even if there's some level of success, it's going to be the glory. It's going to go to you and not to God. And God didn't like that. So for 10 days, they waited. And we're going to celebrate that 10-day waiting period on May the 24th. Here's what I'd like you to do as a church. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, first of all, repent of any judgment you've made about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had to. You know what that means? I had to change the way I thought about it. All these people, because I was, you know, these charismatic people, they're crazy. You know, I heard the crazy charismaniacs, I heard all that stuff talked about. Then I became one. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I used to make fun of people that said they spoke in tongues. Anybody? Make judgments against the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, I got saved. I got all I needed when I got saved. Eh, well, you got, your, you got a ticket to heaven. That's cool. But do you want to operate in power or do you want to operate in weakness? I want to operate in power. And so this is what I'd like you to do in the next... What, how many days do we have till? May 24th, 24 plus 10, 34 days or something like that. Would you begin to ask the Lord, if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I want everything you have for me. That was my prayer. It wasn't very religious. It didn't sound too good. It was, Lord, whatever you got for me, I want it. I want to take you out of the box that I put you in, in my little denominational box. I would I'd like to let you out, you know, and some of us want to let him out a little bit of it at a time, right? But if you'll just say, God, I want you out of the box. I want you to be everything that your word says you are. I want you to be that in me. I'm going to tell you the day that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 47, the Holy Spirit fell upon me at my home. Not in church service, but in my home. Kind of caught me off guard. Kind of like Cornelius and their family in, in Acts chapter 10. Kind of caught me off guard. I just began to weep. I, I, I did have a vision, and it was just a beautiful experience. But I got up from there different than when I went down, knelt by my bed. I got up a different person. 
And you can't, you can say all you want to, but, but I know my testimony. I know who I am in Christ, and I know what he did for me that day. And it wasn't long after that, this, this lady tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think you need to be in the jail ministry. I'd love for you to come alongside me in the Tom Green County Jail and minister to God. Yeah, get me to the jail. Listen, that was not in my DNA. That was not in my purpose-driven life book. You want to go minister to convicts? Yeah, cool. No, that wasn't in my, in my plans. But after the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, it was like, yeah, send me. Wherever you want me to go, Lord, you, you will, there will not be that fear factor will leave when the Holy Spirit comes in. There is no place for the fear. So if you're dealing with some of those issues in your life, listen, here's, here's the bottom line. Just say, Lord, whatever you have for me, that's what I want. Whatever you have for me, that's, that's what I want. And then you've got to be willing to, this, to do this because, and I shared this a few weeks ago, and I, this was revelation to me. When the children of Israel were told to go to the promised land, I looked up the word possess it. They said they were to possess the promised land. The word possess means it's a twofold meaning. It means if you're going to possess something, you have to dispossess something else. Never had thought of it. Never had seen it that way before. But if you're going to possess something, there's some things you're going to have to dispossess that will keep you from possessing what God wants you to possess. So if you're going to possess and go after the promise, same thing, the promise, that he wants you to have, he may ask you to dispossess some things in your life that are blocking or hindering the promise from coming. Does that make sense? There may be some things in your life he's saying, you know what, you need to let go of that. You, may, you need to stop that. You need to start doing this, whatever it is. But if you want to possess what he has, and I'm telling you it's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit's beautiful. Let him come in and fill you to overflowing. Doesn't listen, that's not the end all to it all. That doesn't mean your life is perfect from then on. Doesn't mean you'll never have problems. Doesn't mean you'll ever have issues in your life. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means you have you'll be empowered. But he'll show you this that you need to keep being empowered. It's not a one time deal. It's a continual being filled. I can tell when I'm I'm drained. Can y'all tell when you're kind of drained? Man, you just need to go back to the well. You need to draw from the well again. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. So I'm, that's my prayer for this church body. I, I love what's taking place in this place. I love to hear miracles. I love to hear about the testimonies. I love to hear about the victories. But I think we just barely have scratched the surface of what God's going to do here before he comes back. And I'm telling you, if he's coming back any time like the signs of the time show, I think we need to get busy. When Kristen said what she said earlier was just right on. We don't have that much time to be about our father's business. But I'm telling you, the Father's business is run by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to run with the Holy Spirit, run with the Father, you need to run with the Holy Spirit. And you need to ask Him to come and fill you to overflowing so you can be at the hands and feet of Jesus. Would you stand? I'm not saying that you're here this morning and you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think probably most people in here do. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hands real quickly. Awesome. Well, we should, we should be seeing a lot more salvations. Right? Because he said, you're going to be my witnesses. You don't have a choice. <laughs> so you shall be. But if you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to have the ministry team to come. It's an automatic, guys. Come on up. 
If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't let the enemy scare you with that. It's not about speaking in tongues, okay? Can I just take that off the table? Will you speak in tongues? Can you speak in tongues? Sure. But he said, he said he'd rather prophesy. <laughs> Seriously. But he wants us to lay hands on the sick that they would recover. He wants us to have, he wants to raise up people of great faith. He wants to give you the gift of faith, the gift of miracles, all these things. But listen, it starts with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Him coming upon you in power that you shall be witnesses. And if you're not, if that's something that's been really a, not a part of your life lately, even though you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you just need to be refilled. Now, for those of you that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or don't understand it, let me put it that way. Would you just say, Lord, I don't understand it. Be honest with him. I don't understand it, Lord, but if it's real, I want it. He hears that kind of prayer. If you made a judgment against the Holy Spirit and said, you know, I just don't want that. I don't believe that. It's in the Bible, church. It's, in the, it's all through the Bible. So just repent and say, Lord, I don't want to. I want my mind to be in. I want the mind of Christ in this. Ask Him for that. Ask Him to renew your mind today. Let God be God in your life. So bow your heads and close your eyes. Well, Father, this morning, I, I thank you that even after 30 years, you didn't give up on me. And after 30 years of living for you, from the age of 17 on, you kept saying, Harold, there's more, there's more, there's more. And at the age of 47, I got to receive the more. And I've never looked back. I've never, I've been so thankful and grateful for that, Father. And I ask you to continue to refill me. Because sometimes I feel just drained and I know I need you more. But for the people in this body that have never experienced the fullness, the baptism, the immersion of, of your love, liquid love, would pour out on them today. I pray that this would be the day that the promise would come. That the promise would come. We don't have to wait till May 24th because you've already sent your spirit. You've already poured your spirit out on the day of Pentecost. On all flesh, it's up to us to receive it. So, Father, if there is one, if there are ten, if there are a hundred here today that have never stepped into the fullness of your, of your love and your power, may this be the day. And I want to ask our ministry team, if someone comes up and they say, I want to be prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and we're trying to institute this with our ministry team, to please take them to the fellowship hall, take them to the prayer room. We're not going to do, we're not going to embarrass anybody. We just want to pray for you. Maybe if you've got questions about the Holy Spirit, we've got, we've got instructions, we've got pamphlets out in the foyer about the Holy Spirit, we've got a Bible study about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He lives in you. He wants to empower you today. So, Father, right now, I pray for your, your perfect love to manifest in the hearts and the minds of your people, that they're going to want everything that you have for them, Lord. And Father, for any judgments that anyone's made against your Holy Spirit, we just repent today. We say, Father, we want everything that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.